Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, when you look at the Passover and the, um, and the blood and the angel of death is coming, great fear, great disaster, terrible, and so God says, you take a lamb, a lamb, every family a lamb, kill the lamb and collect the blood in a bowl with some hyssop, like reeds, and you go to your doorpost and you strike over the top of the door and you strike on the side and you strike on the other side and you got the top and the two sides. It's like a cross, type and the two sides, but it's also like an umbrella. It's like a covering. And so it's a symbolic it's a covering of blood for the house. And God says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Well, when's he gonna see the blood? He's looking down, the angel of death. When he's looking down, he sees the blood. He says, I'll pass over because it's above. So he sees an umbrella. So it's a symbolic of the umbrella, the protection of blood. Like the umbrella protects us from rain. This is the umbrella of blood that protected them from the death of the, of the angel. So that was the ability to pray to God under the umbrella of blood. That's part of the commonwealth of Israel. The adoption, to be a child of God, to have his love set upon you, as Moses said to them. The Lord did not set his love upon you because you were more in number, but because it's the adoption. And all of this is what it meant to be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Then it says that we were strangers from the covenants of promise. What's the covenant of promise? The covenant of promise is God's promise. The covenants are promises. And we were strangers. We didn't know about them. We didn't care. But there were great promises and great covenants that we didn't know anything about and we were because we were strangers to them. They were strange to us. We were strange to them. Strangers from each other. But it says one of those great promises is in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, here's the promise, I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. That's a covenant of promise. It's a wonderful covenant of promise. A promise to be, to be heard by God to be forgiven of our sins, to have healing, that's wonderful. He says in Hosea 14.4, this is a covenant, this is a promise, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely without hesitation, in other words, for mine anger is turned away from him. In other words, the promise there, to be healed when we turn away from God, it's a promise to be healed, the backsliding, and to be loved by God freely. That was a covenant of promise, we were aliens. And then the great one, the new covenant, 
in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, God says, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant, a new one, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Let me stop there. Not according to that old covenant, but he's gonna make a new covenant. Not according to the old promise, but according to the new promise. Because he says, now I'll continue about the old covenant, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant. This is the new covenant. This shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write them and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people, that's the adoption, and they shall teach no more everyone his neighbor and everyone his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Great promises, great covenants, We were strangers. We didn't know. We didn't care. They were strange to us. But those were the covenants of God. Then it goes on to say that we having no hope, we had no hope. That is a, can you think of a more sad description for a person as having no hope? That's terrible to be in a state of having no hope. Why did they have no hope? Uh, Why did we have no hope? Because we didn't have the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope or a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead and when he did, what was created in us? A living hope, a hope that's alive that we will leave this death, the body of this death, and be resurrected from the dead as he was to live with him forever. That's hope. That's why it's called a living hope. It's a hope which is lively hope. And this hope is so important to us, and we realize this, but we didn't have it in the past. That's why it's having no hope. This is so important to us that this hope is likened to an anchor in Hebrews 6.19, where it says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. In other words, when we go through the turmoils of life, the problems of life, and they, they dislodge us, and we feel like we're with no stability, then God says the hope is an anchor to the soul. When the soul has no stability in itself, the hope will be an anchor of the soul. It's sure, it's steadfast. And then he says, it's because the anchor is set, as he says, within the veil. In other words, in the holy of holies, at the, in the tabernacle, at the place of the lid for the ark, the mercy seat, the, the lid there, where God met with man, where there was the blood on the four corners, the cherubims protecting it, 
all speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our anchor is. And it's an anchor that's steadfast and it's grounded there, sure. And the other end of that anchor is on our soul. So it's called the anchor of the soul. That's the hope. That's the hope. And then it goes on to describe us and it says, we were without God in the world. Without God in the world. That's another terrible description. That's like without God in the world. In the world. It's like without God in the world is like without an air hose under the water. Or without God in the world is like without a parachute on a plane that's going down. Without God in the world. We need God in this world. And we love God in this world. God is so helpful to us in this world. Moses said that in Deuteronomy 33, 27. He said, the eternal God is thy refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And he'll thrust out the enemy from before thee. He'll say, destroy them. The eternal God is thy refuge. God in the world. We need God to run to. And we appreciate God when we run to him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. In 2 Samuel 22.3, it says, The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. A missionary one time, a friend of ours, she was home and a violent man broke into her house and she cries out, Lord Jesus, help me. That man ran away. Why? Because God is our savior in our high tower and he saves us from violence. God in the world. How terrible to be in that kind of a situation without God in the world. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble in Psalm 46, one. Psalm 62, seven, in God is my salvation. That's the word Yeshua, Jesus, in God is my Jesus and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. And we were without God in the world, terrible. Trust in him, Psalm 62, eight. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God in the world, in the time of our trouble, in the time when we turn to him, we pour out our heart to him. But yet there was a time when we couldn't because we were without God in the world. So the day came for these lepers and they were diagnosed with leprosy. And all of a sudden, as we said, their lives come to a screeching halt. Everything stops. Why? Because leprosy is an incurable, or was an incurable and terminal disease. And it had a prognosis to it. It had a morbidity prognosis, and it had a mortality prognosis, as all diseases, incurable terminal diseases do. And they knew for their disease of leprosy what their morbidity prognosis was, and they knew what their mortality prognosis was. They knew how much time they had on average before the disease of leprosy would eat up their fingers and their toes. And I've been to a leprosy hospital in in, uh, the Philippines and seen fingers and toes eaten up with leprosy. And they knew how much time they had on average before leprosy finally would kill them. And they counted the days. 
as they hopelessly waited for leprosy to slowly kill them like an incurable terminal cancer. And so for each one of them, their whole life came to a screeching halt on the day that the priest told them that they had the incurable disease of leprosy. And though they had people who loved them, and they did, there was nothing that those people could do for them except to separate from them. Now, I remember the day when the oncologist told me, he said, you have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer, and it's incurable. Well, I'm a scientist, and cancer is one of the areas that my company works in, and so it's one of the areas that I'm familiar with, and we've been involved in cancer diagnostics and clinical trials and so forth, but I remember when that happened, and then I was online, and I remember reading the blogs from other cancer patients, and I was so surprised to find out how informed these cancer patients were about their cancer, and especially the various clinical trials that were going on. And as I read those blogs and was thinking about them, there was one theme that stood out about every other theme, and that was the theme of these people have a hope for a cure. They have a hope for a cure. They have terminal, incurable cancer, but they have a hope for a cure. And the theme that was going through those blogs as they were talking as they talked back and forth to each other, was basically, hang in there. Cures right around the corner. There's a hope of a cure. You know, cancer patients are always looking for any information that gives them a hope for the cure. And these 10 men, with their incurable leprosy, they had a hope for a cure. Any cure, medicinal, miraculous, doesn't matter. Hope for a cure. Probably, you can imagine that these lepers had a favorite passage in the Bible, the history of Naaman, a Syrian, a Syrian general who was a leper. And they had encouraged themselves in that Bible history with the fact that God had a prophet, Elijah, and God's prophet, Elijah, miraculously healed Naaman of his leprosy. It's a great history healed him of his leprosy. God also healed Miriam of her leprosy, as we've mentioned in the past, that when Miriam spoke against Moses because he married the black Ethiopian woman, then God was angry with Miriam and turned her into a leper. And then Moses came and prayed for his sister Miriam, and then God healed her of her leprosy. But it says about Naaman in 2 Kings 5.1, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Think of the tragedy as you read that. I mean, here's this man who God had given victories to. He was an honorable person. He was a mighty man in valor, but then the statement, he was a leper. You know, how can we people, ourselves, we look at ourselves and all the things we accomplished, but the bottom line is, he was a sinner. He was sinful. And these 10 lepers, they read this and they rehearsed among themselves how the prophet of God, Elijah, had given Naaman instructions for how to be cleansed from his leprosy. And we read about that in 2 Kings 5.10. And Elijah, Elijah sent 
a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. They'd read that. They rehearsed it among themselves, how that Naaman was told, Go to the river Jordan. Dip yourselves seven times there. And when you do that, your flesh, the promise came. The flesh will come again to you. You'll be clean. And then they read how Naaman had done that in 2 Kings 5.14. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. We can imagine how those 10 men, they'd probably gone down to the Jordan River, maybe at night when no one could see them, maybe some isolated part of the Jordan River, and they dipped themselves seven times in the Jordan River over and over again, seven times, nothing happened, seven times. And each time, to their great disappointment, they came up out of the Jordan River just as they went into it, a leper. And there was no hope for them in the Jordan River. But now, now, they heard that the Lord Jesus Christ was on his way to their village. And for them, that meant that hope was on his way to their village. And they had heard how he had healed so many people throughout Israel. And they had heard how he had healed so many people from so many diseases, different diseases throughout Israel. Maybe they had heard of, of the man in John chapter nine, the man who was born blind, and how the Lord Jesus Christ had came and healed that man of his blindness, that man could see. And they had heard how that man was bold after he'd been healed, and he said to the rulers of the synagogues in John nine thirty two, since the world began, was it not heard that any man open the eyes of one that was born blind? And they probably knew that this blind man, because he was so bold, he was thrown out of the synagogue for claiming that the Lord Jesus Christ was from God. As he says in John 9, So the words of the blind man to the leader of the synagogue, he said, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they probably also heard that the Lord Jesus Christ had said to his 12 disciples on their commissioning in Matthew 10, five through eight, when he said these things, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and as ye go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. They heard, they knew the disciples were told, go cleanse the lepers, specifically their disease, hope for a cure, hope for a miraculous cure. Perhaps it would have been publicized that when John the Baptist was in prison, that he had sent his disciples to ask the Lord Jesus Christ, if, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the one that we should wait for or should we look for another? And they perhaps heard that the Lord Jesus Christ told John's disciples, go back, tell John in the prison, report this in Matthew eleven five: The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, 
and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Of all those lists, the most important part that they honed in on, they focused in, they held it before themselves, is those words of hope for a cure where it says, the lepers are cleansed. He said, go tell John in prison, the lepers are cleansed. So this is great hope for a cure for these men. And notice how it says in verse 12 of Luke 17, as he entered into a certain village, there met him 10 men that were lepers which stood afar off. Why did those 10 lepers meet the Lord as he entered into a certain village? Because they were waiting there for him. They had heard that he was coming. They were filled with hope. They were waiting at the entrance of the city. That's very significant that they met the Lord Jesus at the entrance of the city because it shows they had this strong hope for a cure. And then notice how it says in verse 12 that they stood afar off. So they were there at the entrance, but they stood afar off. Why? As it shows that they were hopeless in their situation, but they weren't the only ones who were waiting for the master at the entrance of the city. Because these men, they were still lepers. And they were still lepers, and they still had to stand afar off. Continual reminder to themselves and others, they were lepers. And notice in verse 13 how it says that these men lifted up their voices. They lifted up their voices, even though they were so far away. When their hope came, they were not ashamed. They were not embarrassed. They knew their opportunity was now come. And they didn't care if anyone else heard them. They didn't care what anybody else thought of them. How could they think any worse of them? They were lepers. And they were going to call out. That's just like us. It's just like us. When we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we were so filled with the hope for a cure for our sins. It didn't matter what anybody thought of us. We knew that we had an incurable disease of sin, and we were not going to let what others thought keep us back from reaching our hope for a cure, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so much like us. When we heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, we were suffering under the feeling of being condemned by God. We were suffering under the feeling of the condemnation of God. And so like those lepers, we went out to find the Lord Jesus Christ. We were under the condemnation of God, as it says in John 3, 19. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There was a time in our lives when we first heard, when someone first told us about the Lord Jesus Christ, we ran away, and we said, no, I like my sin better, I like my life better. And that was the condemnation. And when we, that happened, we felt more guilt because the Lord Jesus Christ, that exactly is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Like those lepers, we were suffering with no peace. How could there be peace among these 10 men? One or the other is constantly calling out, unclean, unclean, no peace. That's the way we were. As it says in Isaiah 48, 22, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked talks about another place in Isaiah, the sea when it casts up mire and dirt. It's constantly agitated. It doesn't rest. It cannot rest. And that's the way we were. We were suffering 
under the restlessness. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. 